Business Class, a podcast sponsored by the IBEAR MBA program of the USC Marshall School of Business. Expert insight into the world of business. This is Dick Drobnik, uh, the director of USC's International Mid-Career MBA program, interviewing Bill Zaret. Uh, Bill is the chairman of the American Chamber of Commerce in China, and uh, before that, he was the senior commercial officer or the minister consular for commercial affairs at the U.S. Embassy in China and had many other posts around the Pacific Rim in that role. And we're having this discussion uh, on the sidelines of the 30th annual Asia-Pacific Business Outlook Conference, uh, which the USC Marshall School and the uh, U.S. Department of Commerce have partnered on since 1988. Bill, welcome to the iBear podcast series titled Business Class. Tell us a little bit about the opinions of American companies today who who are invested in in China. I know you survey the members, you talk with them. Do they feel that the business environment in China is improving for them, is about the same as it's been for years, or is getting more difficult? Well, the survey we do annually, that we've got a a track record here, uh, shows some trends I hate to use the term negative but they they are not they are negative trends in terms of US business feeling optimistic about what's going on in China the the business environment the investment environment and we have a very robust survey that's telling us that uh, whether it's uh, the fact that the economy is slowing, which we all know, our members feel it's slowing, it's even slower than the official statistics. Our members are telling us that foreign investment environment is deteriorating in their opinion, and that they're facing increasing policy and regulatory uh, barriers for them to do business in China. Is that true for small companies as well as large companies, or is it just for the small companies that are feeling these pressures? Well, I'll tell you, it's not so much size, it's industry sector. So that, for instance, consumer goods, service uh, service industry uh, companies seem to be doing better to be a little more optimistic. Uh, well, that would reflect the maybe ongoing changes in the Chinese economy that's becoming more consumer-driven and more more service-oriented. Very much so. Um, So for resource, uh, folks that are involved in mining and other resource-related industry sectors, it's very bad. So that's the other side of the the spectrum. Uh, Companies that are involved in R&D, it's mixed. Uh, companies involved in uh, communications and the internet, uh, it's mixed. So we've divided it up by generally by a few industry uh, sectors, and but generally the trends are things are getting tougher. Uh, the environment is getting is deteriorating some for U.S. companies. Do you anticipate that? Well, first. Of all, is foreign, has American foreign direct investment annual flow, is it flat? Is it less 
in 2016 than it was in 2015, the, the incoming flow. I'm sure, sure. American foreign direct investment, we have about 230 billion total. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you hit upon a, a very important aspect, and that is that it's flat, the growth rate is uh, decreasing. Okay, and it's fairly flat the last few years. Okay, so the annual flow is, is stable. It's not growing, it's not shrinking. Uh, the growth rate is shrinking. Okay, okay so yeah, so it, it might be growing a little bit, but not significantly. Whereas the Chinese, of course, as you know, uh, which, of course, these statistics are so hard to really verify, but let's say 100 billion total foreign investment, non-financial instrument investment. So that would be in, in the United States. In the United States, M&A, Greenfield, that type of investment, 100 billion total. And last year uh, it was 45 billion. So that gives you an idea over the last 10 years, it's really skyrocketing. Well, as a matter of fact, this Asia Pacific Business Outlook Conference Hotel, the LA Hotel, is has recently been bought by a Chinese firm uh, in, from Shenzhen. So we're enjoying the, the fruits of that investment because they have renovated this lobby and they've renovated the restaurant and all of the services up above. I mean, as an American uh, academic, as an American consumer, I'm delighted to welcome Chinese investment to the United States. I agree with you. And so much of the and does investment... And does the chamber, you speak for the chamber in that sense, the welcoming Chinese investment? Very much so. Okay. Very much so. Because some people in the United States and some people in the new administration are, are talking about these Chinese investments as being a threat to the United States and, and should be more carefully monitored and mm -hmm. perhaps CFIUS should be expanded to right. be concerned with economic uh, dominance. Uh, yeah. would, would you personally or the chamber be in favor of CFIUS being expanded? Uh, um, you know, we're very much in favor. We understand how helpful Chinese investment is to the U.S. economy. Certain Chinese investment, whether it's Greenfield or including M&A that either maintains or creates employment opportunities for Americans. There is another side of that coin of Chinese investment. And uh, the Chinese industrial policies are now focusing on certain industry sectors that uh, will help to build domestic industries in China in which they can become competitive worldwide. And one way of developing these industries is purchasing American European technology. Now to the extent that that industry sector is critical to America's economic health, that concerns us. And to that extent, we would like to see some kind of a mechanism that can at least review uh, with a strategic eye these types of investments. We, and it's not just our Chinese friends. It's any foreign investment, if it really does threaten any of our critical industries, and I'm not talking necessarily about military, but uh, industries where the U.S. has excelled 
and will continue to excel and is doing uh, cutting edge uh, research and development. Uh, these we, industries, we'd like to make sure that we're not giving them away. Would you be concerned if a Canadian investor was going to buy one of those companies? Or uh, yes, we would. We would be concerned in as much as we would like to see that investment reviewed as well. And if a British investor wanted to buy? We want to treat all foreign investors equally. We don't want to point out either the Chinese or the Russians or the Venezuelans or... Uh, we really want to have a fair approach to this kind of monitoring. Who, who would be the type of people that would be qualified to make this kind of review? I think the trick there is to get folks who really understand the industry because they're in it to be able to make decisions that would not necessarily advantage their specific company. So it, to have this mechanism, uh, there are challenges. Um, but it's very apparent that the USG, the US government, really hasn't been looking at this picture strategically. And that's, I think, what we need. The specifics of you know, the devil's in the details. It's a business decision, but it's not a, it's usually not a patriotic love of country decision. And that's why it does seem to me that we need some kind of monitoring system. You mentioned something about uh, economic planning, and it's something that the U.S. really has not done. <laughs> well, know. We, we've done it through, through defense. So President Eisenhower, as part of the national defense activity, built the freeway system. Exactly. Because he couldn't get it done under a construction bill. So we, we do national planning, but through the rubric of or hiding of defense, but not in a broader sense. Right. And it's, it's somewhat ad hoc. Yeah. And we see, let's just take the Chinese, for example. They're very strategic and meticulous planning. Of course, we also see the downside of that with the overcapacity in steel right now, aluminum, coal, and uh, our fear is one of the reasons that, that we see the Chinese industrial planning is flawed is that it's not market-driven. It doesn't take enough of, of market forces into consideration. So you end up, okay, we are now uh, the world leader in some industry, high-tech industry sector, but we have a glut. Wind turbines. <laughs> there you go. So there are examples. Um, but by doing that, they can, either by plan or inadvertently, drive out all competition. Of course. Because they're so oversupplied, they've of got course. lower prices, lower prices to 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 get out the, the goods. Right. right. And if the state banks that lent them money do not need to collect it, the companies can stay alive. Right. right. And and as we see in, in China that the state owned enterprises are subsidized and they have low low interest financing and other advantages which are not market driven so we're not really talking about a level playing field here and your point about the fact that 
companies that don't have these subsidies and other advantage, advantages in these industries may be driven out of business in the short and medium term. In the long term, I don't think that the way of building uh, industry leaders, world industry leaders, is, is going to be that effective. But in the meantime, a lot of our other companies have already gone out of business. They can't sustain during that period. Yes, but we, we, we have the dream that the, that the Chinese should follow our, our models, <laughs> whether it's our models in economic planning, which we don't do, as you pointed out, mm -hmm. or whether it's our models in startup capital and, and forgiving loans to companies if, if they're strategic and so on and so forth. They're not going to follow our models. They're, they're, they're going to follow them to the extent that they think they're useful, right. in my view, anyway. Right. And... and uh, as one very well-known economist said, China is too old to woo right now and is too big to bully. Yeah. Particularly within their own economy, they're going to do more or less what they want to do. And for all the false starts and dead ends uh, that the national planning has done to their economy over the last 30 years, they have been extremely successful. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, okay, we'll try this. It doesn't work. We'll change. Um, and, of course, there's waste and there's lack of efficiency to some extent. But the, you cannot challenge the fact that they have been unbelievably successful. I, I think your point about the systems are so different. And it's political systems. It's cultural systems. Yes, it's cultural true. patterns and thinking and behavior, and and both sides assume, if we're both speaking Mandarin fluently, mm -hmm. that we understand each other, or if we're both speaking English fluently, we understand each other. Right. But we're coming from different systems, and and the outcomes are going to be. We should expect them to be different, right. as opposed to expecting them to be the same as if we were uh, having bit a bit discussion with England or Canada Precisely. Or, or Australia. Anyway, let's do one last uh, topic. As, as you know, there's been lots of uh, talk coming out of Washington about possibly putting on border taxes, about possibly uh, restricting Chinese investment, about, well, different things with, with China. Uh, if, if any of these, well, first of all, are any of these likely to happen in your view? And of course, the future is uncertain. Right. But if one of them did happen, such as the border tax, mm -hmm. how might the Chinese respond? Well, likely Would they just say, "Okay, that's nice"? No, obviously not. Uh, if we were to uh, make some uh, moves uh, in the direction, especially of reciprocity, which we've been hearing a lot about that we want a, a fairer relationship um, so uh, we might make some moves that would in our mind uh, help bring about a fairer relationship um, and the Chinese are not going to sit still we've seen this in the anti-dumping countervailing duty cases where uh, we would have a case let's say against uh, tires and the Chinese would then uh, bring a case against, um, I think it was uh, 
chickens. Chickens or um, uh, what were some other technologies? It would be it could be totally unrelated. It could be in solar panels or in uh, the products that go into solar panels, uh, the raw materials that go into that technology. So the Chinese are experts at this. The Chinese are extremely uh, strategic and as you well know, very they have a lot of smart people thinking about these things. So anything that we do, I believe there will be uh, at least an equal, perhaps even a more painful response. We're looking at specific areas where uh, we do have this asymmetrical relationship, whether it is exporting to China where there are trade barriers, uh, difficult market access, or in investing in China where we're kept out of the market in many industry sectors uh, but the U.S. is open to Chinese investment in those industry sectors. We're looking carefully at that. So, okay, here's the situation. How do you solve it? I don't think anyone has come up with a really good solution yet. But what the, the Chamber wants to try in, in its way to play some role to try to ensure that our very strong um, commercial relationship doesn't go off the rails. Well, Chairman Zaret, I hope that the American Chamber of Commerce in China will continue to send you to USC's annual conference and, and help us when we send our students to China for internships and we send our faculty there to do research and case studies. Uh, thank you for investing your time with me. Well, Dick, you know, we've had a great relationship over the years and the work that you have done, not only in the Asia-Pacific Business Outlook, but in in your work in the Asia-Pacific region, the network of students, professors, that has really helped to strengthen the U.S.-Asia relationship is remarkable. Uh, and I know that it's been noted in, in many different areas by many different people, so thank you for the work that you've done, and I personally look forward to uh, continuing to work closely with you in the future. Thank you, Bill. Business Class, expert insight into the world of business. The host is Dick Drobnik, producer Pankaj Bhushan, director Dan Griffin, web developer Rick Pine, and I am Robin Garthwaite.